You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning. I did not indeed expect to be here this morning. I thought I might be at home with my nurse duties. Uh, Allison, my wife, had surgery this week on her foot, and she has to keep total weight off that foot for six weeks. So she's riding around on a scooter, and uh, when she's not riding on the scooter, she's pointing. Get this, get that, do that. (laughs) So I am an exhausted man. And this is a restful time for me this morning, actually. Uh, uh, d- Leah, start that recording over after this point, yes, if you would. I don't want Queenie, I mean Allison, to, uh, to hear that. Just kidding. She, Allison, one of the great, beautiful things about our marriage is that we laugh so much together. We have a good time. Uh, she is recovering nicely, but she's got a long ways to go. So please keep praying for her. Jim Bart is watching over her this morning while I am up here. Uh, one thing, Rand Whitley is here. He was on the Cuba team. Rand Whitley, David Calvert, and Burt Wallace. Uh, just to clarify, Rand wanted to make sure I clarified this. They got in, first of all, at 4 a.m. <laughs> and so I would not be here if I were on the Cuba trip. Uh, kudos to Rand. And then also, Burt is at another church because his daughter is a part of some activity that's going on at First Baptist Coach. Is that right, Ram? Where are you, Ram? Irwin, First Baptist Irwin, or Erin, as we say sometimes. So I, I, I am glad to be able to say just a few things about Jeff Kelly this morning. Um, I met Jeff about a year ago. Jeff uh, has been an elder for two, three years at Redeemer. Uh, in Fuquay, Redeemer Community Church. It's probably the closest thing we have to a sister church. Uh, Jeff's wife, Leanna, has done a lot of setting up and tearing down in this room because Redeemer, a a church that uh, is meeting at the Fuquay Middle School, although they're meeting at Fuquay Baptist uh, this summer, Um, They've used our space for a lot of activities, and we've been partnering more with them, and our elders have been aware of Jeff for a while, and it's really not so much that we sought Jeff, but that the Lord brought him to us through an initial interaction with uh, Neil Manning, and uh, then as time has gone on, we've just been very impressed. I'll say three things. I'll say these, these three things about Jeff that I could say about many of you. Uh, If I had three ways to summarize what I see in him, he's godly, he's humble, and he's teachable. mentioned this a few weeks ago, and it seemed to be news to a lot of people on on our Wednesday night gathering, I think it was. But um, the the Navigators, anybody know of the Navigators? It was like Crusade and InterVarsity. Those guys said, if you want to be a disciple, they were great on discipleship. In fact, a lot of the materials we have today were driven by the navigators back in the day. They said, you need to be fat, faithful, available, teachable. Look, every one of us needs to be all of those things, faithful, available, and teachable. And I think that is a a great description of Jeff and his family. Uh, His wife's name, Leanna. 
it, it's a hard one. It took me a while to get that. Liana, Liana, it's Liana is, is her name. So we'll get to know them next Sunday morning. And then we would not dare call for a church gathering on Mother's Day. Father's Day, that's a different story, right? So <laughs> be here uh, next Sunday night. We're just going to do sweet and savory snacks. You don't have to go all out. Just be here at 5.30 next week and, and get to, to know them even a little bit better. Well, as Jim mentioned, Ricky Lee was scheduled to preach this morning, but kidney stones will change your schedule. Uh, Ricky is here. He is drugged up. <laughs> And he said, uh, pain medicine makes him weep. He said, I may be weeping. He may be calling out one way or the other in, in the service this morning. So I'm taking a break from my nursing duties to be here and preach one from the files. Uh, I have one page of notes. It was like this that I, I'm, I'm drawing all of this from. Now, that, that means one of two things. It could be 15 minutes or it could be an hour and a half. I don't know. which. I, I, if there were a betting line, where would you go? <laughs> Which way would it be closer to? Next Sunday, Ricky will be preaching from John 6. This morning, we're going to be looking at a familiar text. It's a good reminder for all of us. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. When we start reading, you'll immediately know the story. So, Time to read the scripture. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Be reading from the English Standard Version. Luke 10, beginning with verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. John would have been more specific. He would have said Bethany, the village of Bethany. Luke says they entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? It's, a, it's amazing how many times people ask Jesus, do you not care? Does he not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now let let me read these two verses again. And whatever your situation is, whether it was very much like Martha's or not, listen to these words. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Well, Father, um, we acknowledge <coughs> that like Martha, we get often anxious and troubled about many things. And that rather than resting 
at the feet of Jesus. We are busy going about the things of life that need to be done and have to be done. And yet here the Lord is saying, one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen that which is best. So Lord, may we understand your love for us and the beauty of sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's because of his work, his life, his death, his resurrection that we gather this morning and it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Missy. Well, I don't usually uh, point out folks who are visiting because we have so many people coming and going. But Stefania and Mattia Hudenzicker are here for a few weeks. We're glad to see them. They're here just before summer camp, which is a crazy, crazy time. Crazy people work at camp. I understand this. I was a camp director for a long time. Well, this morning we're going to think about three different things. Jesus' presence, Martha's problem, and Mary's perspective. We're going to start with Jesus' presence. Everywhere Jesus went, it caused the stir. Let's think about some of those things. Now, look, it's summer, smaller crowd, not much smaller, but it's smaller crowd anyway. Let's talk about some of those. You tell me, what are some places where Jesus went and, and it caused the stir? The temple, clearing the temple. What's that? All over Jerusalem, it was a stir. Somebody else said something? Samaria. Samaria with the woman at the well and all the people that came up. We've been reading about these things. Next week, we're going to read about the, 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 the 5,000. Um, but everywhere, it, the feeding of the 5,000 and all the people that got worked up because of that time after time after time. Everywhere Jesus went, it caused a stir. In fact, a lot of times... <clears throat> He tried to get away, and the crowd found him. And they were quite excited when they found him. Healing people, doing things that were well beyond the bounds of human abilities to do. We're followers of Jesus, right? Right? We're following Jesus. How is it that it's so easy to become unaware of his presence? Just think about the times in your week when you are very aware that Jesus is nearby. Or other times when it's like, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. In a long time. This may surprise you when you first think about it. But the more... You know about Jesus, the easier it is to live without him. I know what to say. I know what's expected in a certain situation. I've read the scripture. I've studied the scripture. And I can do a lot of things just simply from knowledge or almost reflex. It's... It's intuitive to me because, not because I just figured it out, but because I know so much about the Lord. Now I can do what's expected and I really don't need his presence. I don't need 
his power. So let us learn to practice the presence of Jesus. Know that he's near. Second, looks like we're on the 15-minute track. This is uh, Martha's problem. Oh, wait a minute. I got to go home and, uh, you know, for the, the pointer. So I better uh, stretch this out a little bit. Martha loved Jesus, and she wanted the best for him. That's a noble position, wouldn't you think? She loved Jesus, and she wanted the best for him. And I think a lot of us could identify. I'm so grateful when I recognize that many of you put a lot of effort into what happens on Sunday morning. And in fact, a lot of you are more nervous about what goes on Sunday morning than you are the rest of the week because you're aware of the, the, the seriousness and the gravity of what we are doing. And Martha wanted the absolute best for Jesus. This was not a small group of people. It was a large entourage. May have been as many as 70 people. A lot of people followed Jesus wherever he went. And so they come into the compound. The reason I'm calling it that when we find Martha and Mary in John 11. Uh, Martha's in one place. Mary's in another place. Mary doesn't even know that Jesus is on the premises until later. And then she goes and finds him and talks to him. Uh, but so there were a lot of people that needed to be tended to. And she felt distracted. You've been there, right? Distracted. There are things that you need to do. And you recognize that there is something about this activity that makes it bigger than who we are, but you have responsibilities to make sure everything goes off without a hitch and your mind is so focused on the logistics and the details that you begin to lose sight of what's really important. Don't you imagine that Martha could have communicated her frustration to Jesus without words? I mean, she's back here in the kitchen She's working on preparing a meal. She comes out. Jesus is teaching mostly men. And Mary is sitting at his feet. And she probably comes out and says, <coughs> Come on, Mary. And then she says, Jesus, this is not right. You tell her what to do. You've done that before, haven't you? <laughs> hey, Jim, would you take my side here? Come on, tell this, tell this guy over here. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I picked Jim up this morning. We live in the same neighborhood. And uh, so we ride together on Grace Connection Days. And I picked him up this morning and I saw him. I was coming down the road and I saw his outfit and I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He got in. I said, you're looking pretty good. <laughs> he said, so are you. Looking good. Looking good. Uh, where was I? <laughs> you ever had someone call your name twice? Of course you have. You know, when it's your parents calling your name, it's the full name. 
But when someone in authority, someone that you respect, Martha, Martha, and you, you just have no idea what he's going to say, but you know that you're on the wrong end of your name. Jesus was not rebuking Martha for serving. That needed to be done. The issue here was that Martha was preparing steak and lobster when peanut butter jelly sandwiches would have done. She was wanting to go all out. And again, who could criticize that heart, that spirit that wants to give the very best for Jesus? And yet he says, Martha, you're troubled and anxious about so many things. But there's something that's better than all of that, and it's just sitting right here, just like Mary's done. How do we make Martha's mistake? First, by focusing more on serving Jesus and listening to him. Look, some of you are gifted in such a way that you're going to naturally serve we are all indebted to a handful of people that are always here. Early, late, doing the hard work. Never looking to be praised. Never looking. We have a responsibility to encourage those folks. I think they're some of the heroes at our church. The ones that hardly anybody knows about. You may glance over there and see somebody in the kitchen all the time. And then just not think about it and go on. But for those who are naturally inclined to serve, this is a difficult word. Because that's the way that we interact with the Lord. It's just like the love languages, you know. If, if, if service, acts of service is your love language, that's what you want people to do for you. That's what you tend to do for others. And then when they say, I, I just don't feel the, the love from you, you're like, what are you talking about? I did this, this, and this. This is the way that I show my love. When we focus more on serving Jesus than listening to him, though, can be in trouble. Full-time ministry people, this happens all the time. There is so much to do. There are so many things to give attention to. And we want to do our best for the Lord. I'm so thankful for Eugene Peterson's book, The Contemplative Pastor, that says, Pastor... Sit down and, and, and sit at the feet of Jesus and read broadly. Because when, and he uses the analogy of Moby Dick, when the, when the boat is closing in on the great whale, he says there's the crashing of the waves and the cursing of the sailors and frantic activity everywhere. But there's one person who must rise from rest. A harpoonist because his throat needs to be sure. But that's true for every one of us. If we don't have times in our week that we just sit down at the feet of Jesus, we're in trouble. The second way we make Martha's mistake is caring more about work than worship. What's it like for you at night, 
Most everything's done. You've got a choice. You can do a little bit more or you can sit down. Which one are you going to do? You're most likely going to make sure that everything is done. Then I can sleep well. Well, we're called to worship. Last, doing good when we should be still. Our home group has already taken such good care of us. Our church family loves us. We love all of you. And we're so grateful for the service that you do. And without your service, we'd be in big trouble. And we're called to do good. We're called to good works. He saved us for good works for one another especially. But when we're always doing good and we're never still, we're making dear Martha's mistake. And the Lord will say our name twice and, and in, admonish us or encourage us to choose that which is best. Last, Mary's perspective. Mary loved Jesus, and she loved to be with him. Every time we see Mary, I mean almost every single time, she is at Jesus' feet. Here, John 11, when, when Lazarus uh, was raised from the dead, or just before Lazarus was raised from the dead, in John 12, we're going to see these as we go through John, <clears throat> where she anoints Jesus with oil. She's always in Jesus' presence and worshiping him. When, when Lazarus died and Jesus showed up, four days later, Martha comes up to him and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Why weren't you here is the implication. And they had a theological discussion. It gives us one of the great verses. I'm the resurrection of life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Great, important theological conversation. A little bit later, Mary hears that Jesus is on premises. And so she runs up and says, same thing Martha said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And she fell at his feet and wept. And what does the scripture say? The favorite verse that kids at Team Valley memorize for points. Jesus wept. That's an easy one to remember, right? That word wept means that he groaned in anger for the effects of sin because his heart was moved to deep compassion by Mary's emotion and compassion for her brother and her love for the Lord. Mary found comfort in the Lord's presence. Have you ever seen like at a funeral, at a, a, a wake or a viewing where People are coming through the line and then the person who is at the front who is, is grieving looks to the back of the room and sees someone who didn't, they didn't expect to be there. But all of a sudden, just in this time of communion, they, they embrace when they get to the front of the line and there's great comfort just in the presence of someone else. Mary always found that in the presence of Jesus. 
Mary chose to be misunderstood. She didn't care if people misunderstood her. People, think about this, people were always criticizing Mary and Jesus was always defending her. Whose eyes would you rather, in whose eyes would you rather find approval? Jesus or everyone else? John 12, of course, Judas was the one that said, why waste all this, this, this ointment? This could have been sold for a lot of money and it could have been given to the poor who would then benefit greatly. From this, and when Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you, we're going to talk about this when we come. He was not saying, don't worry about the poor, just worry about me. He was just saying, you always have a responsibility to take care of the poor. But there are some things that are priority. Could it be that Mary was the only person who understood that Jesus was going to die? When she anointed his body for burial, Jesus said she's doing this for burial. Maybe she didn't know what she was doing. Maybe she did. If she understood that, I'm beginning to think the more I'm in the gospel of John that maybe Nicodemus got it all too in the end. But Mary was not nearly as trained as Nicodemus. And everybody missed that Jesus was going to die. And possibly Mary got it. And if she got it, she understood it by staying at his feet and hearing his word. So how can we develop Mary's perspective? First, choose to be with him. Even if we're misunderstood. In fact, if you spend that much time with the Lord Probably you are going to be misunderstood. Look, there were a lot of people who were thrilled that I got saved when I was 18 years old. Because I had a reputation that exceeded my antics. I promise you that's true in, uh, the, in, when I was in high school. But my antics were pretty, pretty bad. But then I got saved and people were like, oh, I'm so glad. Well, after about two or three months, they were like, well, we wanted you to get saved. We just didn't want you to get that saved. You know, it's like no need to be a fanatic. I promise you, if you're walking with Jesus as you should, you will be considered a fanatic. Somebody's going to think if you're not, if somebody doesn't think you're a fanatic. Are you really? But even within the body of Christ, if you spend that much time in study with the Lord. You're going to be misunderstood. Can we develop Mary's perspective? Yes, we can. And it begins with committing to time at his feet. So that's the second point. Sit at his feet and worship. Do you do that very often alone? Do you just sit down and worship the Lord. We do it very well in community. And it counts just as much in community as it does alone. And yet there's an, 
There's a sense that Mary was doing this when the community was like, what are you, what's up with you? Sit at his feet and worship. And then last, as you sit at his feet and worship, hear his word. Listen closely to Jesus. And put this verse on the screen. If you have your Bible, either turn to it, scroll to it, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Okay, I've never preached through 2 Corinthians. I would love to do it sometime just to get the context of this verse or get this verse in context. But just pulling it out and doing no damage to it. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He's been talking about Moses and the veil that was over his face. And now he says, we all, with unveiled face, we who are believers, who are gazing upon the Lord without the danger of him striking us down because we know Jesus now. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Hawthorne, in one of his short stories, talked about the great stone face. There was a, there was a small village where there were people that, that would go to a river, and on the other side of the river or the creek, there was this great uh, stone face that actually looked like the face of a human being. You could discern features and all kinds of things. And <clears throat> this was known to be a place where people gained wisdom. And so this one young man was just captured. His imagination was captured. He would go and sit in front of this face. And the legend was one day the stone face would come uh, in human form. So all of these legends, of course, derive from the gospel. They don't, they, they, it's not like, oh, okay, somebody heard this and, and then they wrote the gospel. No, it, it goes the other way just as easily. And we believe that's what happened. So you've got all these legends. And here's this guy. He's, he's contemplating all through youth. And he becomes known as a young man and then as an older man um, to be a man of great wisdom. And so one day at... <clears throat> sunrise, he's standing in a town meeting, he's up meeting, he's up on a platform, and the sun comes up, and when it goes on his face, people say, the great stone face has come to life, and they bow down and worship. Now, that's pagan, but the idea is the same. It, his observation of that stone face, day after day after day, he became like that face that he worshiped. Look, husbands and wives end up looking like one another. I'm sorry, ladies. That's just the way it is. We do. We begin. I remember as a kid thinking, my parents look more like brother and sister than they do. And we're not even in West. No, I can't say that. West Virginia. Um, North, North Carolina might be, you know, about the same. But here we are. I'm thinking they look a lot alike. Because when you spend that much time with somebody, especially when you spend that kind of time, and that kind of relationship, you're going to begin to look like that person. 
So here's what 2 Corinthians 3.18 is saying. I got this years ago. I heard Warren Wiersbe say this. Jim mentioned him a few weeks ago. What a beautiful servant of the Lord, a great teacher. When the child of God looks into the face of the Son of God through the Word of God, or he looks into the faith, he looks into the Word of God, he is changed into the image of the Son of God by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. When the child of God looks into the Word of God, he is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of the Son of God for the glory of God. Listen to the verse again. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When you read scripture from Genesis to Revelation, who do you see? Jesus. When you spend time in this word, you are sitting at the feet of Jesus, just like Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. When you hear his word, you are being transformed into the image of Christ. And most likely, when you hear someone say, that person is more like Jesus than just about anybody I know, that person is a serious student of the word. Into God's word. Day in and day out. Let's commit to being like Mary. Who chose that which is best. Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you for your magnificent plan. We thank you for giving us life. We thank you that you have made a way that we can live forever through Christ. If all scripture points to Jesus as we learned last week from John 5, 39, then give us a heart to sit and gaze at the one who lived and died for us and was raised for the, our justification. Lord, might we become more like Jesus every day. May the Spirit of God transform us to the image of your Son according to your plan as we gaze into Scripture. Make us like Jesus in whose name. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.